Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Bomber here. Today, we're going to be talking about a company called Emeritus. Emeritus is the global leader in making world-class professional education affordable and accessible. It's something I've been tracking for a while. I'm really excited to hear what they have on the horizon to get into that conversation. I have Lisa Rohr here with me. Lisa is a senior advisor with Emeritus, and she's also a board member. Lisa, welcome to Trending in Education. Thanks so much, Mike. Excited to be here. We're excited to have you. We wanted to get into all the intricacies of executive education and online learning. Emeritus is a global company. We'll save all of that for a little bit later. Before we get into that, we wanted to hear more from you. What's your background, your origin story, if you will? How did you get to this point in your professional life? Spin us a yarn. Tell us a tale. How did you get to this point in your career? Yeah, I come from a background in higher education. I did a PhD in organizational behavior back in the day. And although I absolutely love universities and teaching, I opted not to pursue a tenure track position when I graduated, mostly because of the heavy focus on peer-reviewed research, which just wasn't very interesting and exciting to me. But because I love universities, I love the ideas that come out of universities, I've really spent my career trying to bridge academia with practice. And, mm. you know, because I came out of the business school, there's a lot of practice out there that can benefit from the great ideas that are being generated in academia. Mm -hmm. And so that has led me to a career in executive education, case writing, consulting, teaching, doing all sorts of things. But I came across Emeritus about six years ago and the mission of making high quality education more accessible and affordable just really resonated with me. It so very much aligns to what I'm passionate about. I wanted to learn more about online education. I was actually not involved in online education before that. So I thought, oh, this is a good way just to get some experience with it. So I jumped in and I've been here ever since. Right now, I'm focusing my time on university partnerships, working with universities to grow their portfolios of online and blended offering. Awesome. The pedigree of the universities that you're partnering with is quite impressive. There's many of the top tier graduate programs and universities with name recognition in the U.S. Emeritus is a global company and a lot of the partnership is with universities in the U.S. Can you describe how that relationship works and why it makes sense? Sure. The company actually started, it was started in India and in our sort of first iteration about 12 years ago, what our founders were doing was taking schools that are global schools like INSEAD or Wharton and bringing their executive education offerings to markets where they weren't otherwise able to access. India was the first one, obviously, because that's where the founders were. And so that was, that was really how we started. So we've been working with these very big global brands from the beginning. And I guess I could go back and say, our founders are both from India. They both benefited from this education. Ashwin Demera came from Harvard Business School and felt like his fellow countrymen and women didn't have that same opportunity for education that he did. Yeah. He really wanted to bring that to them. And his co-founder, Tate, he went to INSEAD and felt the same way. So that's where they really bonded and where the Emeritus really first started. And so from there, we were able to pivot to online. At first, it was classroom programs. 
flying faculty to places like India and Dubai and Singapore, filling classrooms or hotel ballrooms with people. Obviously, that's not a super scalable business, but around 2015, when we had Coursera and edX were really starting to gather some attention, mm -hmm. they had this insight that could we take what works so well in the classroom in executive education and bring that online. And that's really, that's, that was really the pivot that we made at that point. And that has given us the ability to scale and to start working with a lot more universities. Yeah. Yeah. And then interestingly, Coursera frequently is characterized, Udacity, Udemy, they're frequently called MOOCs, massive open online courses. There also is the term SPOCs, small private online course. Is that right? Exactly. Excellent. I didn't the acronym. I wasn't sure what it stood for. Yeah. What Emeritus is doing is tends a little more towards the small private higher touch, also building on the background around executive education. Could you talk a little bit about the distinction between a MOOC and a SPOC? Yes, absolutely. You know, when we say small private online course, it is small relative to the MOOC, which can have tens of thousands of people in it. One of our university partners described it this way, that a MOOC is like reading a book. It is information that many, many people can access. But when you come into a SPOC, it's more like having a conversation and getting, you know, sort of more interactive with the material mm -hmm. than you would in a MOOC. We do that in several ways. First of all, it's a cohort-based program. You have a bunch of people that start with you and go through the program with you. And in that, we encourage a lot of interaction and learning from each other. And then another difference is that it's very highly supported. So in addition to faculty contributions, which could be asynchronous, but often also some synchronous webinars that take place throughout the, uh, throughout the journey. We also have course leaders that are um, experts in the field that are there to support the learning as we go. So they can really be there to answer questions, help our participants apply the learning to their workplace, that kind of thing. And so it really is a much more interactive, supported experience. And it generally has better outcomes too. MOOCs, a lot of completion rate in those courses are very low, like in the single digits. Yeah. Whereas a SPOC, our completion rates are more 85 to 90%. Wow. So that's appealing to universities, by the way, because, you know, you want to create courses that people will finish. Right. <laughs> and uh, and so, so we really like, and we're proud of those completion rates as well. Yeah, that makes sense. And then We've talked a lot about learning as a benefit on this show, as a trend that has been emerging where organizations are understanding increasingly that it's important for them to continue to keep their workforce relevant. At the same time, individuals who are playing with their head up are realizing, I need to continue to upskill. I need to continue to reskill to stay job ready. You mentioned executive ed education. If I want to continue to either stay at an executive level or aspire to get in there. You're seeing both of those things, I imagine, at Emeritus, but I would be curious how you think about it in terms of upskilling, how much of that responsibility is on the individual, how much of that responsibility is really on the organizational side in terms of building out their culture, and then how do companies like Emeritus fit into the equation? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, in the industry, we talk about B2C and B2B, mm -hmm. but in reality, it's not quite that black and white because while we may have a majority of participants coming into our 
courses through B2C channels, meaning that we're out there advertising, they're clicking on an ad and coming into the program and paying the fee. What we find is over 40% of our participants actually get reimbursed by their employers and almost all of them are employed. And so what does that mean in terms of what percentage are actually B2B versus B2C? Mm. So you were asking whose responsibility is it? I think education as a benefit is a terrific retention tool for companies and, and it's become more accessible and available now than ever. But I would also say that in this day and age, you can't, you can't depend on your company for everything. People have to take control over their own careers and their own development, their own professional development. Yeah. And I think that is just becoming more and more important because with digital transformation and AI and everything else that's happening, those skills that you learn back in undergraduate or even graduate school, they get old and people need to upskill. And there's been some really fascinating research about this. For instance, McKinsey recently did a study where they decided that 14% of the workforce worldwide will be forced to change jobs in the coming years because of technology changes. Mm. So 14% of jobs will become obsolete in the next few years. Mm -hmm. Gartner did a study where 33% of skills listed in a typical job posting in 2017 were not listed Four years later, just yeah. four years later, one third of those skills were no longer appearing in job listings. There's just massive amounts of change that are happening with technology and with the labor force that in order to keep yourself relevant to your job or to a new job, you have to be willing to go back and learn. Right. And, and what we know is that people learn better. I think when they're in that kind of a cohort supported learning environment, books, I think can only take you so far if you can't interact with the material. And that's what we're really all about. We're about interacting with that material. We're about applying that learning. And I'll just say one more thing that I really like about the Spock model and the online model more generally is that because it's done in more bite-sized pieces over time, it gives you the ability to apply those learnings as you go. So it, if you think about a traditional executive education program, people would leave their jo jobs, leave their city, fly to another city, sit in a classroom for five days, have an amazing transformative experience in the classroom, but then they go back to their jobs. And the question is how much of that are you using when you go back to your job? Not to say that that's not incredibly valuable, but it's it doesn't allow for this interaction of learning and trying and learning and trying. Mm -hmm. And that's what we can do with a Spock. We can space it out over weeks. And, and, we, and that part of the program is to take what you're learning back to your workplace. So I think it's a powerful tool for people. Yeah. And the universities that you're working with are kind of a who's who in terms of what's emerging around executive education, the future of work, the skills that pay the bills in the 21st century. I would want to hear from you a little more on which programs are getting the most adoption lately, particularly in light of the pandemic. And then also, you know, we talk a lot about emerging trends around Web3, whether it's AI or the blockchain or the metaverse, a lot of buzz around some of these new and emerging technologies. And depending on where an employee is in her career, there is a fear of missing out, a desire to stay on top of what's emerging. I'd love to hear a little bit of your perspective on how that landscape is changing, what types of programs are popping, and any 
advice or recommendations to folks on the types of skills and programs that are most useful for someone who's trying to grow their career? Yeah, certainly everything you said about this sort of trending topics is correct and that there's a lot of interest in learning about those. When we actually are thinking about which topics we want to offer, one of the kind of informal tests that we like to do is what we call the LinkedIn test. We try to imagine, is this a topic that people are going to want to put on their LinkedIn profile? What kind of signaling are you going to make with this topic to your current employer, to your future employer? And that's just a broad sense of how do you think about what topics are going to work and not work? But we definitely see skill-based topics as being very popular and really important. So the example I like to give is digital marketing. So that's not quite as sexy, maybe it's some of the topics that you brought up. But, you know, digital marketing is something that is really core to the marketing profession now, changes very rapidly. People who graduated with an MBA even 10 years ago, that knowledge that they got in their MBA around digital marketing is no longer useful. Yeah. So that's a really great example of a topic there's a lot of demand for. Yeah. And that is getting back to, to paying the bills. It is a place where if you can't adopt that kind of mindset, similarly, product management is another mm -hmm. higher level framework that's becoming increasingly relevant. You know, you have experience at Harvard Business School and writing case studies for the law school. So mm -hmm. you're thinking about where folks need to develop new frameworks and new understandings. Are there any approaches? I know your background is perhaps around case-based curricula. Are there any approaches that you think are particularly beneficial to developing an executive mindset? You know, case studies jump to mind where trying to understand what it might be like if I was in that leadership position trying to solve a particular problem. But any thoughts on the approach to the program and maybe a little bit more on the curriculum design? What resonates with someone who might be engaging in an emeritus program? I would say practical is the, is the key piece to it. When you're in this space, it needs to be something that they really feel like they can do something with. And so, so case studies are great. And actually we use a lot of case studies and it's had some very interesting conversations with faculty who were saying like, how could you possibly take a case-based discussion and take that online. And, and we have some really interesting ways of doing that. But, but as you say, it's not the only tool. One of my favorites, and this is very simple, but to have a workbook that you're working through that is again, asking you to take with each topic, taking it back to your workplace, reflecting on it. What are you going to do next? Who do you need to talk to? These are very action-oriented, practical, tools and steps, that's what people are really looking for. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I would say that when we have put out a course that feels more like a survey course, where we're going to tell you a little bit about this and a little bit about that, and just kind of catch you up on the industry, those courses tend not to do very well. Yeah. People want something that they can take and do something with. Mm -hmm. And from the pedagogy, that's, that, that differs a lot. So we have a sales course, for instance, that you actually do a lot of practicing with and you get feedback, video feedback from your other classmates. We do a negotiations course where you actually have to do negotiations and you do those on camera with other people in the class. But then we have coding courses where you have to go in and, you know, you're actually given coding assignments and you get graded on those assignments. So 
it depends a lot on what the topic is, but what they all have in common is this ability to make it very tangible and applied back to the workplace. That makes sense. Yeah. It does remind me, uh, you know, having left a larger organization where I was in a leadership role and I could identify work and then delegate it. <laughs> now that I've left and I'm more of an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, there's no one really to delegate it to. And it is a reminder as we get older, you know, you frequently can advance into management to the point where you're disconnected from actually doing hands-on work that adds value. So I do see that trend as a really interesting one. It does remind me to ask you around the profiles that you're educating. Mm -hmm. Who typically signs on to an emeritus course? You know, I'm a big believer in one size fits none and we're all varied and different. You're a global company. I'm sure you're kind of all over the map in terms of who you service. There probably is no typical emeritus student, but how would you characterize the folks who are using emeritus to, to help with their upskilling? Yeah, more likely than not, the person will not be in the United States, first of all. While many of our university partners are U.S., only about a third, I believe, of our participants are in the U.S. They're probably sitting outside the United States. Generally speaking, they'll have at least 15 years of work experience. And we do go, because of the topics in the universities we work with, it, it tends to be professionals. So we get a lot of people that are working their way up the ranks that are, you know, entering managerial roles and leadership roles. And we have courses that we create that addresses some of those transitions. And in fact, I was thinking about what you were saying about how when you're in a company and you're assuming those larger roles and you can delegate, going back to my example of digital marketing, so maybe you're not the one that's actually doing the Google campaign, right. but you need to understand the strategy behind digital marketing. So we may have a hands-on course that's really designed for people that want to learn digital marketing and do digital marketing. And then we'll have another strategy course that's designed for a higher level where you can really understand how does digital marketing fit into your overall marketing strategy. Yeah. So we do think about that career life cycle mm -hmm. and how we can create touch points and courses at different points in that life cycle. Yeah, it makes sense. We haven't talked about the great resignation and all of the impacts of the pandemic, which was a forcing function around online learning. So I imagine a lot of folks who were maybe not familiar or just online learning curious, but not really engaging in it, got pushed in this direction. And add to that the fact that I believe a lot of this is, in fact, a global phenomenon that in light of the pandemic, there has been a rethinking of career paths and re-examination of whether to stay where you are or perhaps explore the job market or enter into new fields. I'd love to get a little bit of your perspective on what that's been like for your perspective individually, and then also perhaps some of how that may have impacted Emeritus over recent years. Okay. So a couple of things around the pandemic, you were asking about how that changes learners and their openness to online learning. And that for sure happened. But what's interesting from my perspective is because I spend all my days working with universities and faculty, one of the benefits of the pandemic was that it got faculty a lot more comfortable with online learning. Before the pandemic, we ran into more of this issue of faculty being very skeptical about whether people could learn online. And so in that way, the pandemic opened up opportunities because it kind of forced everybody into the deep end of the pool yeah. and got them more familiar with this as a medium that was helpful. 
But also from the university side, what happened with the pandemic in the executive education and professional education departments is it was quite devastating for them. And that's because these guys had primarily been relying on short courses that were classroom-based. Yeah. And so unlike degree programs that would continue because people are signed up for a long duration, right. um, these short courses, you know, they all got canceled. And so their business kind of fell off a cliff. And these are important revenue sources for the university, these departments. And so it was really a stressful time mm. in executive education. And so that's where I think we were really well positioned to partner with those departments to think about what's next. How do we make up for this lost revenue? What are the different ways that we can do that? Yeah. And, you know, I think it has fundamentally changed how executive education are seeing their portfolios and their openness to having, instead of online learning being like one little corner of a portfolio, it's taken a much more prominent and probably permanent role going forward. The other thing I would just say is you were mentioning about people rethinking career paths and the great resignation, which I think has been a fascinating part of watching all of this and really causing people to take a step back and reassess. One of the things that we have seen pick up quite a bit of steam is our professional certificate products, which are basically six-month courses that are designed to help people transition into a new career. Mm. And when we first developed them, we assumed that they would be more for career entry and people would be using them to, you know, maybe five or fewer years of experience. You know, I want to learn coding. And so I'm going to go take this course in coding with MIT, for instance. What we've actually seen in the demographics of these professional certificates is almost a similar demographic to our short courses, which is, you know, more experienced people. So people who have quite a bit of work experience are coming into these courses to just do a career pivot. Mm. And, and so we're seeing quite a bit of that. And that was a bit of a surprise to me, at least, to see that these more experienced people really looking to enter a new career and using these non-credit professional certificates as a way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating stuff. Despite our desire to snap back to the way things were pre-pandemic, it does feel like some of the spaces that you're focused on around online learning, global education executive education, short courses, certificates, those types of things, the development in that direction, the movement in that direction has accelerated and it's going to be difficult and probably unwise to move backwards. If this is permanent, I'd be curious how you see this unfolding as we roll into the future. Are there trends in executive education you're noticing? Are there things that Emeritus is doing strategically that you think will position them well for the future? Yeah. When I speak to executive education leaders, which I do quite a bit of that, I would say there are two, two themes that I hear from them right now as they're thinking about their own business. One of those themes is about format and the other is about channel. Mm. In terms of format, you know, there's a lot of question around exec ed departments about to what extent will classroom exec ed come back. So right now, a lot of departments are seeing a surge, but what's unclear is if that's just a result of pent-up demand. People have been waiting for two years to yeah. come back to these schools and sit in the classroom and learn from the faculty. There is a big question about, will that continue and how big of a role 
will stay open enrollment classroom education play as we go forward over the next few years. There is a sentiment, at least amongst the partners that we work with, and which is admittedly a biased sample, that these SPOCs, these asynchronous or blended programs are absolutely part of the future because people have gotten a taste of the flexibility that they offer. And frankly, I just think there's less appetite, just as there's less appetite to go and spend five days in an office, there might be less appetite to fly a plane to the other part of the country for exec ed. You know, people are just feeling like they want to control their time more. And, yeah. and so I fully believe that there is a, a role for classroom education that is super important. And again, transformative. I love to teach in the classroom because I see the impact that it has on people and I think it's wonderful, but there's a practical need for people to be able to have the flexibility that an online or even better blended experience can provide where you do a lot of the work online, but you still get some benefit of being able to come on campus and get that campus experience, but it may not be the entire journey like it was before the pandemic. Yeah. So a format is one of the areas that I know people are thinking about. And then the other one is channel. So you know, a lot of the executive education has always been split in many of the schools that we work with between enterprise and kind of the open enrollment B2C. We're seeing as the same challenge that any B2C business has, the cost of marketing is going up and up and up and that's getting harder. And, you know, I think many are leaning more into the B2B space and we are also investing in B2B because we see a great opportunity there to access more potential learners and to impact more people. Yeah. So that's definitely on people's minds. I was talking from the exec ed perspective, if I put on my emeritus hat, and say, how are we thinking about the future? The other thing that we're really leaning into right now, which we feel is really important, is regionalization of content mm. and really making content available to people in other countries, in other languages. We think that that is really important part of access. And it's exciting for universities too, because it gives them the ability to access markets they can't otherwise access. So we're putting more resources and efforts around thinking about new ways to reach those markets for our sort of U.S. European schools. That's very cool. Yeah, it does make me think about both bonding and bridging capital, the ability to connect within your network, people who are like you, people who are in your region, people who are in your country, whatever that may be, your culture, but then also the benefit you mentioned ANSIAD, and I imagine this is the benefit of Emeritus, as well as the ability to bridge and make connections outside of where you might have not had that opportunity had you not engaged in this way. Really interesting stuff. We're getting close to time here, Lisa. As we conclude, I always like to ask my guests, what else, what other trends you're tracking? We'll conclude with concluding thoughts after that, but anything else out there in the world around us that's capturing your imagination these days that may impact education may impact executive education, but also just might be an interesting trend for us to pay attention to. What else is capturing your imagination? I'll just say one more thing on global, because we just touched on that a little bit. And that is, if you look at the different markets in the world and how they're growing in terms of demand and future demand for education, when you look at the U.S. and European market, it's growing like one to 3%, something like that. Whereas if you look at India, if you look at China, Latin America, 
those markets are growing so much faster. There is such a need for access to high quality education that I think this is an area that universities really can't ignore. It is a growing market that is thirsty for great content and for great insights. And so that's something that that we think is really important. And so I would just add that to what we were saying earlier. That's great. And it does make sense because the pressure that a lot of the universities in the U.S. are under to respond to the enrollment cliff and the impact of online learning, which is bringing tuition costs more squarely into the collective consciousness. How much should I pay for these degrees? Are there more effective alternatives available or any of them more accessible through online? So I definitely understand a lot of the benefit and a lot of the opportunity that's here. As we conclude here, Lisa, are there Final thoughts. Folks got a lot out of this conversation. I know I certainly did. But as we're concluding, what should folks take away from this conversation as we head back to the rest of our lives? I guess in closing, I would say that there's just a tremendous need for flexible and accessible ways for professionals worldwide to upskill. There's just a huge need for that. And online learning is an important tool to fill those needs. And I just really think that. For universities, online certificate courses can be a really important tool for reaching more learners at more stages of their careers. And it's also a place where you can do a lot more innovation and be much more responsive to changing needs of potential learners because degree programs require a lot of time to actually get going and get approved. And so this is a great tool for universities to be able to respond to these changing needs in the workforce. And it's great for learners because it's giving them access to learning in a way that just really wasn't possible, say, 10 years ago. And now with growing portfolios, you can learn so many different skills online that just didn't used to be there. I think it's a really interesting and promising future as we think about online and its impact on education. Awesome. Fantastic stuff. Lisa Rohr heads up university partnerships for Emeritus website is emeritus.org. Check out what's going on there. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. It's been delightful, Mike. Thank you for having me. And hopefully our listeners are enjoying what you're hearing. If you do, please subscribe, spread the word, tell your friends. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. Trending in Education.